Thanks for tuning in to the American Experience Podcast. My name is Amber DeLugash, and I teach a dual credit composition course in Bolivar, Missouri. Seniors in my comp class are wrestling with our coursework through the lens of an essential question this semester. What does it mean to be an American? At one point, a student reflected that stories create connection, and connection creates understanding. Therefore, we decided that in order for us to walk away from this semester with a greater understanding of this question, we had to talk with Americans. We had to hear their stories, and we feel their experiences and insight are valuable, so we wanted to share them with you. As you listen, keep in mind that each discussion is organic and unscripted. Students are gathering around the table, some literal and some figurative, to hear from our guests. You'll receive the full school experience, complete with bells, announcements, and tardiness. Thanks for stepping into our world as we try to step into the worlds of others. Here's another episode of The American Experience. So our second guest for the semester was Tanner Eisenberger. Tanner currently serves as a staffer in Jefferson City for Governor Parson. Personally, this visit was quite a treat because I had Tanner as a student during his sophomore year at BHS. Even then, Tanner was passionate about politics, so it has been exciting to see how that passion has opened professional doors for him. He was eager to talk to the students, so he took a day off to make the drive and visit with us in person. I graduated from BHS three years ago, and I went to attend Missouri State. Uh, During that time, I worked on the Lieutenant Governor's campaign, uh, worked for him, then I worked for Representative Stevens here in the 128th, and then Sander Crawford. Um, went to SBU for a little bit, then went to back to Missouri State. Uh, the gov- previous governor resigned for reasons, um, <laughs> and he, uh, the governor, invited me to a swearing in. When I was up there, he said, "I want you to come up the next day and just talk to me." So I said, "Okay." You know, don't, don't know what to expect. So I said, "Okay." Um, got in my car. Drove up to Jeff City, walked into the office, which is it's an amazing office. Every, every time you walk into the Capitol, and um, you just you're, you're humbled because that represents around eight million people, and everybody has a different goal, different objective. But most of the people that are up there are up there to try to help the people they represent. Now there are some bad eggs in the basket, but they're up there to try to help people. And um, invited me into his office, said, asked me how I was doing. I said, oh, I'm doing great, you know, happy to be up here. And he said, I want you to work for me. So I said, okay, when, when do you want me to start? And he said, today. <laughs> so I dropped everything. I um, did not, and you'll, you'll see a large part of what I'm going to say on what it means to be American is taking risk. And just no matter what, just going for what you want. I um, did not have a place to stay in Jeff City. I did only had about four suits, and I need to wear a suit every day, so that was what I have to change. So that night, I went to the mall, <laughs> bought around four su- four more suits, and uh, drove up to Jeff City the next morning. Started work. Did not have a place to stay until the governor offered me a place for a little while, until I found an apartment, and since then, I've been working for him. I am um, his assistant, one of them. There's two of us, me and Marilyn. Marilyn focuses more on um, when he's actually in the office, 
you know, making sure he has everything, you know, see, what does he need to see, what he doesn't need to see. Um, on my end, I focus more on the scheduling. So I make his schedules, um, where he goes, when he travels, stuff like that. Um, that has to be down practically to the minute. So we don't want any dead time. It needs to be, if he's going to be in Nevada, we're going to have to have events the whole time in Nevada. We, we, don't, we don't like dead time. Um, average day, you get 20 to 30 requests to either go somewhere, meet with somebody, tour something. So there's a lot of, a lot of people want to meet the governor, a lot of people want to see the governor. Um, I also travel with him. By traveling with him, I've been to, and with the campaign, I've been to every Missouri county, which there's 114. Um, just in the past four months, five months, I've been to 43. And this, this is kind of a little off the question on what it means to be American. This more on what it means to be a Missourian. We, I, I think a lot of people, you know, we, you, if you grow up in Bolivar, how many of you go, are right now, like, I want to live in Bolivar the rest of my life. And this is where I want to stay. This is where I want to do everything. I was not one of those people. <laughs> and I did not meet many of those people. But Missouri is such a unique state compared to other states. Our number one industry is agriculture. But we also, our second, one of our next largest industries is medical equipment. We have two of the biggest urban centers in Kansas City and St. Louis. And Springfield's on the rise. And I'm not talking about just crime. They're on the rise of everything. So if you want, Missouri gives you the opportunity. If you want to live a rural lifestyle, if you want to live in a town of 125, you can live in halfway and make a living. If you want to live in a town a little bigger, if you want to live in Bolivar, you can do that. Say you want to live in a metropolitan area, you can go and live in Kansas City and St. Louis and have opportunity. I would recommend Kansas City a little more than St. Louis, but go Royals, that's all I'm going to say. Um, and, you know, Missouri is just such a diverse place. There's 8 million people here, and no two cities are alike. There's common characteristics, but if you go to Kansas City and you go the next day to St. Louis, which I have done, they're two completely different cities, two completely different types of people. St. Louis is more of an East Coast city, and you see that in the design and just how the people kind of are, the culture there. And Kansas City is a West Coast city. You see that in design and just kind of how the people are. It's a lot more open and spread out, and St. Louis is a lot more compact. So I'm just saying, give Missouri a shot. That's all I'm saying. There's so much opportunity and so much to do. So that's kind of my background on that one. Anybody have any questions just for I promise it's a lot more interesting than how I made it sound. Oh, that sounds cool. Um, have you met anyone like way up there, like like the governor, but like I don't know. Um, yes, yes. I uh, speaker of the ha Missouri House, Todd Richardson. I've worked with him on a few things. Uh, President Pro Tem Ron Richards, uh, Senator Cruz, out of Texas, uh, Governor Scott Walker out of um, their Vice President Pence. Um, I haven't met the President yet, 
the governor has a few times, but I have not met the president. Um, Attorney General Hawley, um, Otter Galloway, I mean, and, you know, with how politics is today, you would just assume they're all bad people if you listen to the ads. Like, they're all bad people. I, I, I guarantee you 90 to 95 percent of the people that work in Jeff City that get elected to go up there go up there for the right reasons. And they only talk about the bad because the bad's what sells, unfortunately. And it's a lot easier to go, this person's bad, you shouldn't believe them, than to say, we just disagree on some things. And maybe, you know, we should hear them out. You know, we're, we're different, but we just disagree on fundamental issues. I think who exemplified that and who really exemplified being American is um, late Senator John McCain. In um, one of the presidential debates with Barack Obama, this lady goes, you know, I can't trust him. I can't trust Obama. You know, he's an Arab and he's a bad person. John McCain takes the microphone and goes, no, 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 he's not. He's a good family man, an American who I just have fundamental disagreements on issues. And that, and that is kind of the first point that leads me into in a phone journey. Um, <laughs> um, kind of the first point that leads me into being an American. It's you have the right to believe what you want to believe. May not be right, but you have the right to do it. And I think where we lose that is if you have the right to believe what you want, other people have the right to believe what they want. And it's your job to hear them out and not just judge them and say, no, you're wrong. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> um, you know, it's your job to hear them out and see why they believe it. Because we all have different life choices, different experiences in our life that has led us to believe what we want to believe. And, you know, you, the problems that affect people that live in inner city St. Louis are not the problems that affect people that live in Bolivar. There may be some similarities, but they're not going to be the same. And it's so easy to just go, no, they're wrong, instead of actually sitting down listening to them and seeing why they have got to that point and why they believe what they believe. So. so what would you say for like those of us who mm. aren't able to be like in the behind the scenes of politics yeah. and all we have is that negative perspective from news media and different sources that, that we see? Like how can we I don't know, what advice would you have or you're saying that what you yeah. see behind the scenes is a really positive thing, it sounds like Yeah, and really what what I'd say, just talk to somebody. You're great. You're great. Meet people that don't agree with you on everything, and that's good. You don't. If you agree with somebody a hundred percent, they're probably lying to you. Because <laughs> nobody, you're never going to agree with somebody a hundred percent. And just listen to them, hear them out, see see why they believe what they do. You know, down here, gun violence is not a big issue. You know, most people hunt. Most people like guns. Go to St. Louis where over a weekend, at least on average, six to eight people are killed by guns, gun violence is an issue there. 
But if you just come in with thought process, no guns are good, no matter what situation, it's my second amendment, you're never going to believe and hear this person out. One of the best examples I have is my former boss, Representative Stevens, who represents Bolivar in Stockton, Cedar County. One of his best friends up in the legislature is Bruce Franks, Jr. He's a representative out of inner city St. Louis. Bruce was in the Ferguson riots. He got tear gassed. He supported the riots, um, the protests, depending on which side you're on. He, before that, lost his brother to gun violence. He, before that, was a battle rapper. That's how he made a living. He rapped. He has tattoos all over his body, all down his hands, up his neck, has teardrops. And if you just judge him, he's a Democrat, he's on that side, like a lot of people would. Representative Stevens didn't see it that way. He wanted to know what led him to be the same person that Representative Stevens is, a representative. Talk to him, they're best friends now. Do they agree on everything? No, <laughs> I can tell you that for a fact. They have fundamental disagreements, but they're best friends. And that's what you don't see. Most of these people are friends with each other and they're trying to find ways to work together. Now, the Republicans do have a super majority, so that means they can pass anything that they want to. But do they? No. They work with the other side. They want to see, find compromise and see what it, you know, because most of the Republicans that are up there are not from Kansas City or St. Louis. They're from rural Missouri. So they know our issues are not the same issues, like I've said, that affect you guys. Bruce, Representative Franks, I should say, if I mean this in the nicest way possible. A lot of people would judge him based off <coughs> his tattoos. When you see a teardrop, you, you in your mind make a preconceived notion. You know, you may not mean to, but you do. Bruce is the representative. Frank, sorry, is one of the nicest guys you will ever meet. One of the most caring guys you will ever meet. And just because he has tattoos, so many people won't listen to him. They'll say, no. Whatever he says, it's going to be wrong. Because he's made certain life choices. He wasn't always on the straight and narrow. There, he'll say it too. There's been some bad times in his life. You know, he, um, Chris Martin, his brother, was shot and killed in inner city St. Louis. We have a day now dedicated to him. It was Representative Frank's first bill to get passed and signed. Gun and it's all about gun violence awareness. And if you just judge somebody because of one, their beliefs, two, how they look, you're doing a fundamental flaw on what it means to be an American. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you're Republican, Democrat, what your race is, sexual orientation, none of that matters. 
at the end of the day, you're American, and you have just as much right to be represented and have your piece said as anybody else. That being said, there are majorities in certain areas that get represented more. But that doesn't mean the minorities in those areas should have any less of a say than anybody else. That's just a little. Anyone else? Um, would you say that your job has made you more open-minded? Like, were you closed-minded before, or were you open-minded then as well? That's actually a really, really good question. Um, it, it helps that make make you more open-minded. Um, traveling does help a lot because you can hear about something on the news, you can see it, but does it make it real? No. Till you go there and see what the people are going through, it's always just going to be what you're thinking it is, you know, and you might put a spin on it, and. Um, yeah, and sometimes it's hard to go and see some things. Um, one, one, one of the worst days of my life and in the state's life was the duck boat incident that happened in Branson. We were in uh, Cape Girardeau that night for a farm bureau meeting. Um, by the time we left that meeting, and got back to the hotel. We had been informed of what had happened and that there were severe casualties off negligence. We had a whole day planned in that southwest Missouri, not south, yeah, southeast Missouri, and then we were going to get the governor home. We scrapped that that night at 2 a.m. because we knew the governor needed to be with those people. Now was it, no, it's not, you know, a lot, a lot about what you get to do is fun, you know. I'm not going to say it, you know. It's fun, you know. You get to go, you get to go to the PGA, you know, you get to go to the Cardinals games, you know, that PBR. Yeah, that, that's, the, that's the fun part. But then there's the serious part. And, you know, I did not fly with the governor there. The deputy chief of staff did. I um, went back to Jeff City to help there. But the governor met with people that lost their whole family in one night on vacation. You're the only one to survive. I could never imagine what that would feel like. And to have to go and meet with them, you know, to, I'm going to be honest, do you, would you want to? No. Would I want to? No. You know, what do you say to somebody like that? But, it, you know, he had to do it because that person's a Missourian and their life had been ruined. So, and I think that's where we see what it means to be American, is after tragedies. And unfortunately, that's the sad part. It takes that to show what it means to be American. After 9-11, there was no Republican, there was no Democrats, there was just Americans. Policy debates went to the wayside for a little bit. Everything kind of, you know, and it was all about helping the people that were affected. In Branson, we had tons of calls from people from St. Louis and Kansas City. How can I help? You know, what, what can I do? Same thing during 9-11. Everybody, 
how can I help? There's a country in Africa that donated 42 cows to the United States. Just because we suffered a tragedy. And, the, and, the, and that, in my mind, is the saddest part. Is it takes events like the duck boat and 9-11 for us to put our differences aside and not make a political grand statement about stuff. It takes something so terrible that ruins people's life for us to see, at the end of the day, may disagree, but at the end of the day, we're Americans. Um, another part that I kind of hinted at earlier on what I think it means to be American is um, taking risk. We are so lucky that um, we have freedom. I know that's such a basic one. You know, what it means to be American. Oh, freedom. You know, faith, God, and Bible, right? You know, no. But freedom is always the tagline, you know. Okay, that's, that's true. Other countries have freedom, though. Belgium, France, England, you know, they have freedom. What makes America different? It's that you can become anything you want if you're willing to take the risk and accept it. You can't blame other people. That's where you get in trouble. Bad stuff happens to everybody. Hate to say it. And does some people do you wrong? Does some people have a leg up on the competition? Yeah, they do. If your dad's a billionaire, <laughs> your life's going to be a lot different if your dad works at McDonald's, you know? It's going to be a lot different, but it's taking those risks. The best story is actually my current boss now. He was born in Wheatland, Missouri, right up the road, which is, it's known for a dirt race car track. That's what Wheatland's known for. He um, grew up on a farm. His parents, his yearly vacation that he took was his state fair in Sedalia. And he said this in the ham breakfast, so I think I can say it. And for lunch, his family would go out and have a picnic at their car. Little did they know that the governor knew and his brothers that the reason they had to go out and have lunch at the car was because they didn't have money to pay for the food inside. And then they'd go back in the fair. Now, would you slate that person to be the next governor? No. He started a small business by himself, made it successful. Um, well, he served in the Army first at Wright Hour High School in um, Hawaii as a military police. Started a small business and was extremely successful, making good money. Then the former sheriff came up to him and said, hey, I want you to run for sheriff. Anybody doesn't know, if you run for an office like that, you cannot have a business because it could be a conflict of interest. So he made the choice to sell his business and serve and run for sheriff. Took a risk. Did it, he won, was sheriff for 12 years. Took another risk, ran for representative. Contested primary, never know what's going to happen. Went and won. Took another risk when the retiring senator came out. There's three other, pe two other people that ran against him. One of them, Senator Emery, is now in the Senate, the governor 
one. Then, um, originally, I don't know if you know this, but he ran for governor. Then decided to switch for, you know, take a risk and go for lieutenant governor. Run for that office. Did it. Won the primary after being outspent by over a million dollars by his opponent. Won the primary, won the general. Serving as lieutenant governor, stuff happens. <laughs> he gets thrusted into the position of the governor, which I, the offices of, just to put it basically, he had five staff members at the lieutenant governor's office. He now has 35. That's how big the change in the office is. And he took a risk, and every time he luckily succeeded. There are going to be some times that you take a risk and you won't succeed. Now, it may be because of somebody else. You know, maybe somebody told you something, and guess what? They weren't telling you the truth. So you took that risk and it didn't work out. But at the end of the day, if you blame them or blame anything else, you'll never get past it. Because you can't control what that person does or what decisions they make. You just you'll think, oh why do they do that? Why do you know? And you'll you'll get trapped in your own head. Now, it's fine to be mad, you know, if somebody, for lack of a better term, screwed you over. It happens. But if you go you know what? I have to make the choice. I, you know, I took the risk. I didn't work out. I gotta do it again. Um, a French philosopher, I think, said it the best. Freedom is choosing to do with what's been done to you. You can't control what other people are going to do to you. You can only control what you're going to do after they do it to you. And that's my little freedom tagline. <laughs> what other questions come to mind? Be about anything too. You want to talk about the Chiefs? I'm I'm always down for that. Do you think ignorance plays a role in all of this? Yes. Hundred percent. Without a doubt. You like 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 the man saying ignorance is bliss. If you don't know there's a problem, You're not concerned about problem, why worry about the problem? You know, and unfortunately, <coughs> I, think, I think it's on um, both sides. No matter where you stand, there's always going to be ignorance, you know. And it's really hard to want to open your mind and want to learn because you get comfortable where you are. You get used to your friends, you get used to where you live, get used to your house. You know, I bet you most of you could probably go in your bedroom, turn off the lights, and find your way around. Unless you have like a messy bedroom like I do, and then you're, you're, you're lost for three days. Um, but no, you get, you get comfortable where you are. You get comfortable, and that, that's what's scary, and that's why you have to take the risk. Risk of, you know learning, you know, risk of going up to somebody like Representative Franks and asking him, you know, why, why do you believe we need stricter gun control in St. Louis? 
you know, something that a lot of people disagree with him. Hear his story, you understand exactly why he thinks we need stricter gun control. My brother got shot. I would, you know, I completely understand. But it's, it's hard to break comfort. Nobody likes being uncomfortable. You know, nobody likes being somewhere where they're not comfortable. You know, unless you're in debate or speech, bet you most of you don't like speaking in front of groups of people. You're not comfortable there. You're comfortable when you're sitting down having, you know, talking to somebody. But you have to be willing to get out of your comfort zone a little bit to just learn. How do you think people can do that? Bet, bet, like I said earlier, best thing to do, talk to somebody. Who? Who? Whoever you want to. That, that's the beauty. You can talk to, and with this right here, this thing can, the, this has more electronics than on the first space shuttle. You know, it's amazing. Look it up. Just look, you know, look. It's too many times you'll look up and you go, okay, here's what I think on X issue. So I'm going to look up all the stuff that supports my side, and then I'm going to be right. Oh, yeah, that's the thing. Like, a lot of people will never look at the other side. You talk about taking risks, but even just the friends that I have, they would never, ever step out of their comfort zone. See? That, 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 that's what I'm saying. That's the problem right now, is you, you don't want to because you're comfortable. And you have to, when, let me, let me put it this way, when I, I have friends that I disagree with on a lot of stuff, I always hear them out though. And I have other friends that if you disagree with them, they won't listen to a word you say. Won't do it. And unfortunately, some people are like that. They would rather stay in their cocoon where they feel comfortable. Now, the best way to go about it, I, I have learned, is just little, little, little baby steps, you know. Talk to them, sit them down, just have a regular conversation, and then, you know, maybe throw in, hey, did you see about this? Or did you see about that? And hopefully they don't just go, oh, you know. You know, the worst thing you can do, though, in that situation is just walk in the walk in with anybody you're talking to, and just go you're wrong. Worst thing you can do, you you will never convince anybody of anything <coughs> if you start out with the standpoint that they are wrong. Now at the end of the day, they're probably they might be wrong. You know, if they believe you know clubbing baby seals for leather boots is a good idea, you know. They might, there's a reason they believe that. It might be wrong, but, but at least, you know, talk to them. And, you know, I, what I recommend is, you know, she brought it up earlier, has traveling opened your mind? And it has. You know, it's so easy to just go, that's not my problem. I don't need to care about it, you know. I know what's best for this area, so that's what's best for everybody. When you go to different places you see how different it truly is go and just you know best best example is I grew up in Bolivar my entire life entire life 
when I went to college in Springfield, I know, big jump, don't worry. Um, <laughs> I was roommates with somebody else from Bolivar, and that was a mistake I made because they're just going to reinforce everything I believe. My other two roommates, though, one had a completely different lifestyle than me. He, um, he was uh, homosexual and came from St. Louis. Other one, I think he was from Arkansas. Don't really know, didn't really talk to him a lot. <laughs> I made the choice that first day to be there is, you know, just make friends. No matter who, who it is, be nice, make friends. That one roommate from St. Louis, our talks, even though we disagreed on a lot, were so enlightening because he had had such a different life experience than I have had. You know, you there, there's bullying all the time. And people bully because one, they don't, you know, they don't feel like one, they're good enough, or two, they, you're out of their comfort zone and that scares them. You know, his, you know, I'm a pretty short guy. <laughs> I accepted that, you know. You get some comments from now and then. What he told me about his life, you know, it, it hurt to listen to sometimes. Because if you, you know, we, we put labels on everything. You know, you're black, you're African American, you're Caucasian, you're Hispanic, you're gay, you're straight. But at the end of the day, you're just a human. You have the same feelings everybody else has, and we don't we, we don't see that. We see more of the label. And so that that's the best thing I have to say is you just have to be willing to talk to people and there's gonna be some times where you're gonna start talking and the person's absolutely going to hate you and be mean, be, for lack of a better term, despicable towards you. They're going to call you names. They're going to call you whatever comes to their mind. But at the end of the day, you have to make the choice to do it again. Take that risk. Because maybe the next person you talk to is going through something and you help them. Or they're debating on something and you help them find the answer to what they need. And and I hate to say it, you, you are right. You have some friends that they just will never listen. And I don't know if you guys know, but I'm bringing him up again, but John Paul Sartre, French philosopher, good person, look it up. He said, hell is other people. Because we based so much on our choices on what other people think. And sometimes you have to evaluate who's speaking into your ear. Who do you listen to? Who are your friends? And it's scary. You may have a friend that you've been friends with your entire life. And right now, they're making choices and doing things that will adversely affect you. But you you know you shouldn't be friends with them, but at the end of the day, you're going, 
oh, I have to be friends with them because weapon, I don't make another one. Yo, know, what? If I lose this person, I'd lose, you know, my friendship, you know. May may they're the leader in a friend group, and you know, if you don't, that person doesn't like you, you don't hang out with that person, that group won't like you. A risk. You have to constantly be evaluating that. And sometimes it's good for them to learn that if you don't listen to other people, people won't stick around. And maybe in the long run, you'll actually help them out by leaving. You know, maybe then that will be the wake-up call that they see, hey, maybe I should treat people a little nicer. Maybe I should listen to somebody. But it's tough choices. So I don't know if that answered your question, but... Is the bigger risk listening or speaking? See, I, I think it's 50-50. I think 50-50. It's you have to... You have to give and you have to take, you know. Too many people just want to go like this, talk, 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 tell their side, but when it comes down to it, okay, yep, my, my side's done, I'm gone, see you later, bye. <laughs> you know, they don't want to listen. And too many other people just want to listen and not say anything. You may be sitting down there, you might hear somebody say a comment towards somebody and you go and you go, you're thinking, you know, that's not right. You know, that, that's really not right. But do you say anything? No, I, I've been guilty of it. I've heard that. Heard comments that I'm like, that is terrible. Why'd you say this somebody? But just sat there, eating my lunch or doing that. It's a risk either way. Listening to people's a risk, you know, because you're ready to hear stuff you don't like, you're ready to hear maybe other things, but you also have to be brave enough to take the risk to speak up. And if you see something that's not right, like I said, don't ever just walk in there and go, hey, you're wrong, you know. Try to talk to them and go, hey, maybe you shouldn't say that, you know. That's not right, or stuff like that. You know, try to empathize with them, because at the end of the day, we all have some form of emotion. Some people wear it on their sleeves, like I do. Other people, tight knit, knocked up, locked up. Don't want to show emotion. Don't want to feel vulnerable, but they still have emotion. So if you try to empathize with them, it'll it'll start out better. But then they'll. There are some cases, though, where somebody will say something and you're just, you just have to say. Bare, these are extreme circumstances, but there are some times where you just say you're wrong. You know? You know, like if they believe drowning babies is okay, like that's one that, you know, that's wrong. You know? But most of the time, if you just try to talk with them and empathize with them, they may not... They may not accept it. They may not even listen for that long. But you made an effort. You tried to be the change <coughs> in the world you want. That's, that's my piece. <laughs> so how did you know who you wanted to listen? I mean, who you listened to? 
Ooh, that's good. Um, I would always recommend, no matter who you listen to, always check the facts. Because it's so easy to just say, you can pull a fact and twist it whatever way you want to. Just, if something interests you, like philosophy interests me greatly, um, look up, you know, a common debate is free will or determinism, you know. Do we have absolute free will or are all our choices determined far beyond our thoughts? So, look up somebody that's free will, you know, read something from them, listen to something from them, and look up somebody that's complete opposite. Read something from them, look up something from them. For every one person you listen to that supports your idea or your stance or, you know, read, read or listen to two people that don't. Because neither side will ever tell you the whole story. Because everybody has an agenda, you know, everybody wants to be right. So you just have to, you, and it, it's the burden is on you, unfortunately. And it's on all of us to go and look for conflicting viewpoints. Now, that being said, don't, you know, use a website that says gunsareawesome.com <laughs> when you're looking up for, you know, like, you know, check and see if it's reliable, you know, look into the person. But you just have to just be willing to get on, you got a phone, you got a computer, Google. <laughs> Best thing to do. Just type it in. <laughs> Would you say that vulnerability helps with communication? Yes. 100%. If you are willing to be vulnerable to somebody, it's scary. I can tell you that. It, it's, it's terrifying. But you'll find more often than not, at least in my cases, that when you have been vulnerable and you have been talking to somebody, you'll get their, they'll be vulnerable and they'll work it with you. On other hands though, there's going to be some times where you're vulnerable and the person's going to use that against you. And that's just sometimes the luck of the draw. You have to be smart who you're vulnerable to, but it does help immensely. If you're willing to empathize with that person, you're willing to listen and hear them out. So, yes. Oh. But if any of you want to stick around and have further questions, um, thank you so much for Oh, no problem. Here. We really appreciate it. And if you came in late and you want a pin, you brought pins. Yeah, I brought pins. So. They're very clicky. <laughs> you can hand those out to the rest of your class. Okay, awesome. Thank you. I'm going to take one, too. <laughs> Ooh, there's a